Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. It's an exciting week with the kickoff of the summer movie season. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, one of the pride and joys of the MCU is back with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And sometimes the shows you enjoy the most are the ones you didn't even know existed. This week I was quite pleasantly caught off guard by the latest nature series from Sir David Attenborough. And I've got a belated review of the new Apple TV Plus movie, Ghosted. But first, new in theaters this weekend, it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total Oh, please. He left out some important information, but... That is the gist of it. And once again, they have to save the galaxy. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. Chakwudi Awuji plays the bad guy, the high evolutionary. He was in the Peacemaker TV show last year. That was a James Gunn show, and this is a James Gunn movie. He directs all the Guardians movies, so that explains that. And of course, all of our heroes return. Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, Groot, Rocket, Nebula, Mantis, and Craglin. Sylvester Stallone credited again. He had a very, very small part in the second movie. The trailer's filled with a bunch of crazy space stuff. Hard to even tell what you're looking at sometimes. But the Guardians have a pretty entertaining track record, so I would think this will be a winner. At least I hope so. It is at 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. We were always searching for a family until we found each other. We'll all fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky. was that you were in love with? It sounds more like her. Her? That's ridiculous. Do not bring me into this. Just <laughs> never noticed how black your eyes were. They were replaced by my father as a method of torture. He, he picked a pretty set. Now, for a full year, every time the MCU releases a movie, we say, well, this is the one that's going to kickstart the next phase. And uh, it so far has not been the case. Um, I guess the Doctor Strange sequel did a little bit better than we expected. Certainly money-wise, it did better than we expected, but it still wasn't, you know, the best movie of all time or anything like that. Thor ended up being a bit of a disappointment, and Ant-Man ended up being even a bit more of a disappointment, I think. So what do you what do you think, Brett? Can the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, right the ship for the MCU this time? I don't know. I really don't know. Did you end up seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, by the way? Oh, I did. I and, can't remember already. Yeah, I saw it, and... Um, it had its moments, but it was not it was not nearly as good as what I was hoping for. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen it yet, and it looks like it comes out on May 17th on Disney Plus. So that's interesting. I thought maybe they would release it ahead of Guardians just to try to potentially drum up some more excitement. Yeah. Um but yeah, they and we've been saying this with every big Marvel release that they need a winner because after the like look, the the first 
three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are a staggering achievement that whether you like superhero movies or not, I you can't argue with what they were able to accomplish with 20 plus movies that told individual stories, but also an interconnected story that culminated with Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Well, and I guess Spider-Man No Way Home or uh, whatever. Long, far from home. Far from home, thanks, was the, the final one in, in phase four. If memory serves, I can't, it's hard to keep track. There are so many now, but whatever. It was awesome. And in phase four has been a completely disorganized mess. It just feels like they've been setting a really big table where they're, they're introducing one piece and they're introducing another piece. Yeah. And, and eventually you, you hope that, okay, uh, at some point this is all going to start to make sense and we're going to sit down and we're going to have the appetizers before we get into the main course of phase six. But I... I don't know. I am bored. I'm bored. I'm tired of the superhero genre. There's too much stuff. I was excited when Disney Plus arrived and they were talking about all these new Marvel television shows because yep. I thought, ooh, more Marvel. There's always going to be something superhero to watch. And then I realized very quickly, I'm so tired of all the superhero stuff. I still enjoy it, but it's just not an event anymore. In 2021, we met uh, Florence Pugh as the sister of, um, uh, what's her name? The Black Widow. Black Widow. We uh, had the Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show. None of those people have returned in anything. We met Shang-Chi for the first time. That guy hasn't popped up anywhere since then. You know what I mean? Like, they've. you're right. They've. It's an incredibly big table they've been setting with, like, nothing coming back or connecting to anything that by this two years into the MCU we'd had you know there's like a Captain America movie where they find Thor's hammer at the end or vice versa whatever it goes that sort of stuff you know what I mean like all that stuff very quickly it was obvious that it was all connected to each other and they haven't been doing that and it's kind of weird because it's just it's getting too to be too much so and then you think with these franchises where we do have history with Doctor Strange and with Ant-Man and Thor and now with the Guardians that some of that would all be connected to and it's just it just really hasn't been so I mean we've got some more Kang stuff in the Ant-Man movie which obviously will lead to their big Kang dynasty or whatever that's called kind of movies a couple years down the road but yeah it's been shapeless and uh and it's just like what, what is the point of all this and I mean obviously it's hard to, topping Endgame is just will never happen i can't imagine yeah. you can only do that sort of thing once but you wouldn't have thought it would the wheels would come off it like the way it has it almost i almost wonder if they would have been wise to just take a break yeah. like a two three four five year break or that. Of, for nothing where oh. we got nothing no tv shows no movies no marvel just walk away and let that sink in and then come back with something new. But the fact that they sort of, I know that there, you know, there was a bit of a break because of the pandemic, but they, they just sort of got us right back into it. And so immediately, like you said, how do you top end game? But there's still that expectation, whether we mean to do it or not, we expect them to one up themselves and when you look at, you mentioned 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which was such a pleasant surprise for all of us, or I should say most of us, 92%. I'd never heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, these are they wouldn't have made the movie if the comics, if they weren't beloved comic book characters, but I think the mainstream, most of us, had no idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. No. So that movie was super fun, and I think because it was such a pleasant surprise, that's why it's so beloved. The sequel, 
also got got great reviews, 85%. So 80% could be a reflection of the fact that it's just not as good of a movie. Or it could also be a reflection of that same fatigue that we're talking yeah. about, that maybe these critics are just getting tired of going to see superhero movie over and over and over and over again. And especially when you factor in the mess that is DC right now, where they're sort of in between. Like we've got, <laughs> so Shazam, Fury of the Gods came out and barely made a blip because it's it's part of the old DCEU where they're now Pulling getting the plug. Ready. Yeah, they're transitioning into James Gunn's DC world. So the Flash movie looks exciting and that's set to reset everything. But then they're introducing this movie called Blue Beetle, which I guess looks kind of fun. But at the same time, it, it looks like every other superhero movie we've seen. And I don't know. I don't know. I can't believe. I feel weird saying this. I loved the superhero stuff. (laughs) I never thought I'd get tired of it, but I'm sort of tired of it all. And then they got the Pattinson Batman thing just is in its own lane somewhere else doing that Batman thing. So it's like, oh, so there's still the Affleck Batman technically because he's in this Flash movie. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's bizarre. It it really, really is bizarre. And between this and how they screwed up Star Wars, a lot of the Star Wars stuff, it, it, it just boggles the mind because it just seems like, how can you guys be so bad at this? Like, this seems like should be such a slam dunk thing because you've got the IP that people are really do want. And, but you, why can't you make it good? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. That said, uh, I bought Galaxy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy tickets on Monday. And for Sunday, for a matinee at not even the big screen in the theater, the little regular screen, and we're stuck in row two. And those are the best seats we could get out of five different screens in one theater. So, like, people are going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, even though, uh, you know, we're kind of afraid of what state the MCU is in. Okay, I'll have to try to get some tickets, too, because we do got to go see that and talk about it. If superheroes are not your thing... There is another movie out this weekend called Love Again, and this stars Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Sam Hewen and Celine Dion. Wow. It's a romance movie. Often we get that sort of, there'll be a rom-com or some sort of love story movie to counter the big, you know, bombastic yeah, yeah, yeah. superhero movie. So, uh, but, Chopra Jonas coming up after the break and the thing I'm going to talk about. Get out of here. Nope. All right. Details next. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And there's a new show on Prime Video I started watching that's kind of fun. If you're into spy shows, it's called Citadel. Tell me you've never felt like you should be somewhere else. Doing something else. Tell me you've never seen my face before. I was in a train. There was an explosion. I couldn't remember anything except you. You were a spy like me. If you touch me, I'm gonna scream. Catch. Did you just throw a knife at me? I thought you were gonna catch it. Citadel stars The Young Wolf, Rob Stark, a.k.a. Richard Madden, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who's in the movie Love Again this weekend and was in the show Quantico, and Stanley Tucci, a.k.a. The Tooch. He's been in everything, of course. Um, Did you know he's also Emily Blunt and John Krasinski's brother-in-law? He's married to Emily Blunt's sister. Uh, While we're talking about marriage connections, I found out from IMDb that Priyanka Chopra Jonas is married to one of the Jonas brothers, so good for all those people finding each other in love. Uh, That's kind of (laughs) nice. Yay, love. (laughs) Um, 
Matt and Chopra Jonas and the Tooch all work for an organization called Citadel. It's a top secret spy organization that's the best of the best. They call the CIA and MI6 the minor leagues. Well, as it turns out, they used to work for Citadel. The series starts with Citadel having been wiped out by the bad guy spy agency called Manticore. And in the first two episodes that have been released so far, we find out what happened uh, several years ago, what's happened to everyone in the years since it happened, and how the team kind of gets put back together. Uh, like the spy show Alias from 20 years ago, which I love, this also has a lot of kind of sci-fi stuff attached to it. Some people have, have had their memories erased for the last few years, things like that. Good for storytelling. But, you know, out of the realm of possibility, as far as we know, the spy stuff is sort of just ramping up by the end of the second episode. But there's a lot of action along the way. There's some John Wick style gunplay, although not really at that level, and some good hand to hand uh, fighting that kind of made me think of the Jason Bourne movies. And then one character literally says, what do you think you're Jason Bourne? So I guess I was on the right track there. It's not going to win any awards or be fondly remembered. 20 years down the line, I don't think like Alias, but I do find the show intriguing and entertaining. The episodes are only about 40 minutes long. Um, I suggest maybe the show was meant for network TV because of that, but then there's also quite a few F-bombs, so that's probably not the case. And there's only six episodes for the entire season, as far as I can tell, so I think that's going to be a pretty easy watch if you're just looking for a fun show that you don't have to get too invested in. It's called Citadel, and I recommend it if you have Prime Video. Cool. I've been meaning to check that out. I actually, in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you about a show that I found on Prime when I went there to potentially watch that. And then I got thrown off with what I discovered. But right now, I actually want to tell you about something that we teed up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, I've got a review of a movie that kind of got trashed by critics, but I have an alternate view. It's from Apple TV Plus, it's a movie starring Ana de Armas and Chris Evans. It is called Ghosted. Any word? She ghosted him. I bet she hasn't even seen your text. She does travel a lot for work. Go to her. I'm going to London. See, you get it. It's a grand romantic gesture. Yeah, that is amazing, mate. 5,000 miles to surprise a girl that you've only met once, especially if she's the one who ghosted you. No, no, she didn't ghost me. She just doesn't have an international calling plan. Oh, right. Where am I? Oh, God. You, you have the wrong guy? I'm a former. Wait, wait. Oh, 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 oh. Can you walk, Cole? So Chris Evans meets a girl, she ghosts him, he goes to London to find her, not creepy at all, turns out she's a super spy, comic hijinks, adventure, and sexy main stars ensue. Now it's at 29% last I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, summarized as listlessly waiting and wafting between action, comedy, and romance without ever solidifying into a satisfying whole, Ghosted earns a chorus of boos. I kind of disagree with this. No, it is not a classic. Just as Jeff mentioned, Citadel's not going to win any awards or anything. Ghosted is not going to win any awards. But I thought it was fun enough for a streaming movie. First, the two leads, Ana de Armas and Chris Evans. 
There's no denying. They both have amazing screen presence. They're both great performers. They're both gorgeous. And they're great together. And it's been nice in recent years to see Evans playing different kinds of roles like they're, that are still somewhat similar. In The Gray Man, for example, he was a bad guy. And he was a delightfully playful jerk and still tough. In this, he's kind of a shy dork. But he's still tough, and that sort of gets explained in a throwaway line late in the movie. It had surprisingly thrilling action. Like, there's a car chase early on that practically harkens some Fast and Furious action Ooh. with a bus barely avoiding sliding off a cliff while Ana de Armas is shooting people out the window in slow motion while the bus is whipping around. And uh, just it had some amusing comedy throughout, including involving a long-running gag with a cactus. It has Adrian Brody hamming it up as the bad guy. It has a series of amusing and surprising cameos that played for solid laughs from me. It had lots of twists and turns. It had an inventive, climactic action scene, in spite of the fact that it is totally ridiculous. But who cares? It's just a silly little action movie that was a lot of fun. It's throwaway fluff for a couple of hours with likable and attractive main stars. Three couch cushions out of five for Ghosted on Apple TV+. And up next, Sir David Attenborough. Once again, in chants on the small screen. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Late last week, I stumbled upon a new show that I didn't even know it was coming. But I was delighted to find it. As I mentioned, I was on Prime Video thinking about watching that new series, Citadel, that Jeff just reviewed. But then I found this. It's the latest nature series from Sir David Attenborough. And I found it, once again, while I was sifting through Prime, not long after Earth Day. Welcome to a place that is astonishing. Nature in these islands, if you know where to look, can be extraordinary. Dramatic and beautiful. It rivals anything I've seen elsewhere. It's not far. It's home. Welcome to Wild Isles. So it debuted on Saturday, April 22nd, which was Earth Day. As you heard, it's called Wild Isles, and it centers on the British Isles, which, as turns out, it's one of the most diverse and incredible landscapes on Earth. It's a five-episode series, or is it six? More on that in a moment. Episode one is sort of an overview. It's called Our Precious Isles. Episode two is Woodlands. Episode three is Grasslands. Episode four is Freshwater. And episode five is Ocean. I've seen the first four. Still got to watch five. They're each about an hour long. And one of the cool things about each episode is that they've got these nice little behind-the-scenes packages at the end of each episode that show the filmmakers and the lengths to which they have to go to get some of this crazy footage. Like, for example, one of the episodes features a pod of killer whales, and the people involved are familiar with this pod, and approximately when they arrive at a certain spot that would be ideal for filming. But try as they might, the filmmakers and the experts they hired, they just they couldn't find them. They spent a few days looking for them. They knew they were around because they had spotters all over the place, but they just couldn't find them to be able to track them. And eventually they got word that the whales had been spotted way down the coast and were just simply out of reach for this crew. So they had to pack it up and try again next year. 
So that must have been infuriating. And the amount of patience required for that, my gosh. And I say this every time I watch one of these Attenborough shows, but I am blown away every time at the footage that they are able to capture these days with the high-res cameras and the slow-mo stuff they can capture, and, and now all the creative rigs that they're coming up with and the drones that allow them to grab footage they never would have been able to get before. Like, there's one shot where they're following salmon as they navigate upstream. First of all, I've never understood why salmon put themselves through this, but inevitably, because they, they, they have to inevitably launch themselves up a rapid over rocks, and they're crashing everywhere. Well, the filmmakers created this camera rig that would allow them to park the camera under the water and point it up. So it sounds like it's the first time anyone's ever gotten footage from underneath the salmon jumping out of the river. So that was a cool... And again, the amount of work that they put in to get the what was essentially like a, a 10 second shot is just crazy. And the species of animals you'll see once again so fascinating. I've seen so many animals and insects through the first four episodes where I either didn't know they existed or didn't know they they, they did the weird things they do or have the weird char- characteristics they have like they showed these two bugs mating, ash black slugs and they're about 30 centimeters long. Well, I didn't know they also had 30 centimeter penises that came out when it was time to mate. But so, and I, I mentioned that I'm not mentioning to be juvenile, but I do want to point out there are a lot of weird mating rituals we learn about from the insect world. It's all strange. It's all kind of gross. So just heads up on that if that's not your thing. But as remarkable as it all is, the footage, the scenery, the animals, the habitats, this is a Sir David Attenborough show, which means there is a moderate too heavy-handed message about saving the environment. And I don't say it like that because I have a problem with it. I support it completely. But it gets preachy at times. So if that's not your thing, beware. And that leads to the mysterious sixth episode entitled Save Our Wild Isles. Here's a bit of that. For generations, we have celebrated the beauty of the natural world right here at home. I think it all starts with paying attention. And while you're there, sometimes the most incredible things will happen. And yet, as it gradually disappeared, we barely noticed the change. I can remember as a little boy, the biodiversity on farms was just amazing. The bird life was out of this world compared to today. And now, suddenly, it has nearly gone. All I see is just houses, buildings, people. Today, one quarter of all our species of mammals are at risk of extinction, as are one third of our birds. In just 20 years, our flying insects have declined by 60%. We are now one of the most nature-depleted countries on the planet. Too often, we have regarded nature as something it's nice to have. But in fact, it underpins everything that makes our lives possible. In this film, we'll meet inspiring people, young and old, who are working to restore the natural world. 
So there was an article in the Guardian last month that says BBC, because this was a BBC show, and it's we get it in on Prime in North America, but BBC will not broadcast Attenborough episode over fear of right wing backlash. So in this episode, it's about the things that people are trying to do to help restore nature. And I guess it comes with some further messaging that could be construed as heavy-handed and how human beings are awful and have destroyed the world, etc. The BBC says, that's a load of poppycock, hogwash, tommy rot, that it was always a five-episode series with an extra film that was just going to be available through the BBC's iPlayer service. So, I don't know. I do know you can find that episode on YouTube for the moment. I don't know if it's there legally. It's called Wild Isles Season 1, Episode 6, Saving Our Wild Isles BBC Documentary. But uh, regardless, the footage in this uh, show overall is is... I just love this stuff. When I, I was honestly so happy when I found it. I went there to watch one show, found another one that I didn't know existed, and that was it. Hook, line, and sinker. Sign me up. Yeah, that makes me want to watch it. And I'm I usually I don't mind watching these things. I don't. I've watched like the first season of Planet Earth, maybe the second season as well. But that's about all that I've watched. But every time you go on about how awesome these things are, <laughs> it makes me want to watch them. And yeah, and the behind the scenes stuff too. I remember on that first Planet Earth, watching like the guy like halfway up the side of a friggin' mountain, like trying to catch a shots of a, a mountain lion or a cougar or something up there. And it's just like, Oh, this does your job does not seem worth it guy. But <laughs> yeah, like it the patience they had, cause sometimes they yeah. have to build these little, these tiny little huts and just hole up in there for hours, if not days to try to get like, five seconds of footage. Yeah. But at least now, like you said, with, cause that first uh, season of, Planet Earth was what twenty years ago, almost probably by now. Just about. Yeah. So now with all like the like you mentioned the drones or whatever, I would imagine that makes things a lot easier for some of those guys. Yeah. So it's really cool. Again, it's called Wild Isles, and it is on Prime. And if you want to watch that sixth episode again, for now it is on YouTube. Up next, I've had a few people say to me, "Have you watched this recent special on Netflix? A comedy special that." Reveals some rather honest thoughts about addiction. I haven't watched it yet, but Jeff did. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And one of the best stand-up comedians working right now has a new stand-up comedy special on Netflix. It's called John Mulaney, Baby J. Here's the teaser. And as you process and digest how obnoxious, wasteful, and unlikable that story is. <laughs> Just remember, that's one I'm willing to tell you. <laughs> and that's the whole teaser. I didn't cut the beginning off or something like that. Frankly, it's a pretty good teaser because the special is him telling some stories that are not terribly flattering. I saw him live in concert last year as he was touring and honing the material for this special. And uh, John Mulaney, if he ever comes to your town... Go, go see him, because that's a funny show. And in that show, and in this show on Netflix, he talks a lot about his addiction issues, the intervention his friends had for him, the rehab he went to, the recovery since then. And the two were very similar, but not entirely similar, because, uh, you know, if, if you don't know how it works, the comedians will, especially if these New York guys, they'll 
tell some new jokes in some clubs in New York for a while. They'll get enough to decide to go out onto the road. Then they do these, spe- uh, these either in theaters or big arenas or whatever. I saw them in the arena. And they they hone it. They go on a big tour until they get it just how they like it. And then they film the special. And then it comes out the next year on Netflix or HBO or whatever. And so some of the jokes you hear in concert won't make the special and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of that. But mostly it was the same show. And uh, he had made headlines for the rehab stint a couple of years ago. Uh, December 2020, he went into rehab, as well as a very public divorce not too long after that. And then his ensuing relationship with actress Olivia Munn and the birth of their son. He talked more live about uh, the relationship and the new son. That's not really in the special at all on Netflix. Uh, he's got a lot going on. He's had a lot going on and a lot makes it into the special. But, you know, as we heard him say there, we're only getting what he's willing to tell us. There's obviously been a couple of tumultuous years that he had, a rough ride that had, does have a happy ending by the looks of it. So, And, I mean, he's also a comedian, so it's not some serious slogging lecture. There's jokes all the way through it, and he's very funny. Um, one of my favorites, I always recommend watching a new John Mulaney stand-up show, so check out Baby J out on Netflix now. It's just over an hour long, and it's got a lot of good laughs in it. I also started watching something else this week. It was a rewatch of one of my all-time favorite shows, available now on Disney+. Plus. It's Justified. I am a deputy U.S. Marshal. I'm a criminal. Are you prepared to come forth and be safe? Kill him. Could be some gunplay involved. Justified. Timothy Oliphant starred in the show Justified as U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, a good old boy from Kentucky who at the start of the series was working in Miami, but he gets sent back to his home state and subsequently drawn into a deal with a criminal underworld in his home county, Harlan County. The show aired on FX and in Super Channel in Canada from 2010 to 2015. His biggest nemesis, aside from his boss, his ex-wife, and frequently himself is Walton Goggins as the outlaw Boyd Crowder. Boyd always had a or three going and while that was going on each season would also feature an arc with another big bad who would kind of blow into harlan county try to set up a criminal enterprise and have it all come crashing down by the end of the season sometimes Raylan got them sometimes boyd got them off and they got themselves the show was based on a short story called pronto from writer elmore leonard which among other things meant there would be a lot of stupid criminals because his uh crime novels always featured stupid criminals the henchmen in the series were the best they're led by a guy named dewey Crow, who's one of the dimmest characters to ever grace our television screens, justified, I don't think it ever really got its due. It was a, you know, a crime drama at heart, but it wasn't as dark as some of the prestige dramas of the past uh, few years. It's actually had the gall to be really fun, and it was cool because Timothy Oliphant was basically Clint Eastwood for six seasons, but it wasn't very flashy either, so I guess it just was never taken as seriously as it deserved to be. Didn't help, of course, that when it was on, we were kind of drowning in fantastic TV shows like Breaking Bad and Mad Men, Game of Thrones, uh, many, many more, all overlapping. The writing on Justified was uh, very sharp with that Elmore Leonard field throughout, even though the only thing he technically wrote was the short story the pilot episode was based on. But the guy who ran the show, Graham Yost, and his team of writers just uh, did write by Elmore Leonard for six years. The dialogue crackled throughout, whether it was Raylan's, uh, Raylan, you know, dropping a one-liner before dropping a body or Boyd Crowder waxing poetic in that Boyd Crowder way that made you almost root for him even though he was the bad guy. The performances were also terrific from top to bottom. Occasionally they were even exceptional. Uh, 
Character actress Margot Martindale won a much-deserved Emmy for her second-season role as Mags Bennett. Uh, Jeremy Davies won an Emmy for playing Dickie Bennett. Uh, those are the only wins, I think. There were a few nominations. I know Walton Goggins and Timothy Oliphant each got nominated for Emmys at least once. Other than that, though, Justified was kind of largely ignored by the award shows and by viewers, too. The audience was never very big, but big enough to keep it chugging for those six years, so I'm grateful for that. If you've never seen it, you like a good cop show with a southern twang and you like to be entertained and laugh a lot can't recommend justified enough you can find all six seasons now on disney plus you must have been so excited when you saw that pop up i was so excited and i thought i don't really have time for this and then i thought i'm making time for this so <laughs> um, i've only watched two episodes in the last like four days so I'm, i might not like when i do a lost rewatch i'll tear through all six seasons in five weeks sometimes and yeah. i don't think i'll be able to do that with justified off to parse it out but that's okay because then you savor it a little bit more as well i do admire your ability to go back and and re-watch these older shows that you love and not let it become too much of an obsession. That's one of the reasons why I, I don't often go back and watch uh, full series, particularly if they have a lot of episodes, because... You stay I, up till 4 a.m. watching. Yeah, like when I, <laughs> I when I rewatched Game of Thrones a few years ago now, once the, I think the series had ended, or maybe I was going to catch up on the five, however many seasons right. were out at that point. But I was gonna, my plan was, I'm going to watch one episode a day through the summer. And I think I watched the whole thing in like a week and a half. <laughs> like it, it took over my life yeah. completely. And oh. I've been meaning to rewatch Supernatural, which has like 13, 14 seasons. And I, how many episodes? 200, 300, 400? I can't remember. I should know that. But that's, either way, it's a lot <laughs> of episodes. And I cannot afford to develop that sort of an obsession. So. Yeah. You no, know, it's tricky. And like Lost is my Achilles heel in that department. That's the one where I will like to the detriment of everything else in my life, just just watch Lost and be like, oh, you haven't bought in groceries in two weeks or you haven't cleaned your house in three weeks. Come on, guy, do something else. <laughs> 327 <laughs> episodes of, of Supernatural, wow. by the way. So that would take me uh, a little while, uh, but probably not as long as it should. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Hopefully the writer's strike is over by next week. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs>